Chapter 4 of Narrative of an Expedition to the Shores of the Arctic Sea in 1846 and 1847 by John Ray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Chapter 4 State of Things at Repulse Bay. Determined to discontinue the survey till the spring. Reasons Party sent to bring over the boat fix on a site for winter residence ptarmigan laughing geese eider and king ducks visits of natives too frequent return of the party sent for the boat report the bay more closely packed than before preparations for wintering fort hope built proceed to north pole and christie lakes to look out for fishing stations purchase dogs weariness of the deer flocks of geese pass southward blue-winged and snow geese their habits snowstorm its effects return to fort hope daily routine signs of winter deer numerous quantity of game killed provision store built of snow great fall of snow Effects of the cold. Adventure with a deer. Visited by a party of natives. Their report of the ice westward of Melville Peninsula. An island said to be wooded. Produce of the chase in October. Temperature. Two observatories built of snow. Band of wolves. A party caught in a snowstorm. Eskimo theory of the heavenly bodies. Temperature of November. Diminished supply of provisions. On our arrival at Repulse Bay, we found the men all well, but getting no more fish and venison than was barely sufficient to support them. Having taken but a scanty breakfast, I fully enjoyed my dinner here, but I reversed the usual order of eating the same, taking my venison steak first, it being soonest cooked, and salmon as a second course. This was to me the most anxious period during the expedition, nor will this appear strange when I mention that it was necessary to decide, and that promptly, on one of two modes of proceeding, namely whether to leave the whole survey to be completed during the following spring and summer, or to endeavor to follow it up this autumn, after mature consideration, I determined on adopting the first of these measures, and giving up all hopes of prosecuting the survey at present. My reason for arriving at this conclusion I shall briefly mention, as such a step may appear rather premature. I saw from the state of the ice and the prevalence of northerly winds that there was no probability of completing the whole of the proposed survey this season and although part of the coast, either towards the Strait of Fury and Hecla, or towards decent Simpson's farthest, might be traced, yet to accomplish even this might detain us so long that there would be no time to make the necessary preparations for wintering, and we should thus be under the necessity of returning to Churchill without accomplishing the object of the expedition, or, if we remained at Repulse Bay, run the risk of starving, for I could obtain no promise of supplies from the natives, and all the provisions we had carried with us would not go far to support the party throughout the winter. 
we should thus have to depend almost if not altogether upon our own exertions for the means of existence both in regard to food and fuel it ought to be borne in mind that we were differently situated from any party that had hitherto gone to these cold and barren regions the resources of the country were quite unknown to us it was not likely that the deer would remain near at hand all winter as we were at too great a distance from the woods and it was very evident for the same reason that we should not be able to procure any sort of fuel after the first fall of snow which there was little doubt would occur some time in september before reaching the arctic sea to the west of melville peninsula i was for various reasons inclined to agree with the opinion of sir john ross that boothia was part of the continent of america this opinion was strengthened when i observed the great rise and fall of the tide which must have affected the tides of the castor and pollux river had there been a strait of any width separating boothia from the mainland unless indeed the assumption of captain sir j ross that the sea to the west of boothia stands at a higher level than that on the east side be correct in that case there would be a continual easterly current which could scarcely fail to have been noticed by so acute an observer as simpson retaining one man with myself to guard our stores and attend the nets on the eleventh i sent over the remaining six to assist in bringing over the boat Uligbuck had now been about two days looking for deer and i began to feel anxious about him when he made his appearance between nine and ten a m with the venison of a young deer on his back as soon as my companion had returned from the nets out of which he got no fish i took a walk for the purpose of looking out for fishing stations and a site for our winter house for the latter i could find no better place than a narrow but not deep valley within a few hundred yards of our landing place and about a hundred and fifty from north pole river on its east side there appeared to be various small bays along the shore to the eastward which were likely to produce fish a flock of laughing geese answer albifrons flew past quite close to me but having only my rifle i could but send a ball after them and missed as was to be expected in a small pond an eider duck was observed with her young brood apparently not more than twelve days old the male eider and king ducks had already left this quarter having migrated to the southward twelfth a cloudy day with a strong breeze from north-northwest two salmon and a trout were got from the nets but uligbuck killed no deer in the evening when on my way to set a net in a lake at no great distance i fell in with a covey of ptarmigan t rupestris most of the young being strong on the wing and bagged eighteen brace in an hour or two knocking down those birds on this day made me half fancy myself among the grouse in my own barren native hills on the thirteenth the weather was raw and cold with frequent showers and a gale of wind from the same quarter as the day before four salmon were caught and a deer was shot the thermometer varied from thirty six degrees to thirty eight degrees four eskimo men and two women visited us today the fourteenth was much like the thirteenth but there was no rain as the visits of the natives had now become rather frequent and as they brought nothing with them but appeared to expect both food and presents i bade uligbuck say that we could not afford to feed them any longer 
and that they had better return to their huts where i knew they were killing deer enough to support themselves on returning from my daily walk i found that our friends had taken leave rather hurriedly having been detected appropriating some salt fish which they could not eat for this they were sharply reprimanded by the interpreter and one of the ladies was most ungallantly accused by her husband of being the offender corrigal and i hauled the seine in the evening and caught thirty-three salmon fourteen more were got out of the nets fifteenth this was a beautiful day throughout in the evening the sky being clear and cloudless some stars were visible and a few streaks of orange-coloured aurora showed themselves to the southward the seine was again hauled and thirty-two salmon some of them very small caught whilst the nets produced eleven more just as we were landing our fish the men who had been taking over the boat made their appearance being a day earlier than i expected by keeping the proper route three of the portages were avoided and they had the advantage of a fine fair breeze all through the lakes the large bay akakuli was reported as being more closely packed with ice than before this was nothing but what i should have expected after the late northwesterly winds the two eskimo arkshuk and ivitchuk anglis aurora and walrus who had been engaged to aid in dragging the boat over the portages had wrought well and readily accommodated themselves to the habits of the men they were well recompensed and ivitchuk a merry little fellow was engaged to accompany me on my intended spring journeys the boat was for the present left at north pole lake as it might still be required there the sixteenth was a day of rest and the seventeenth was so stormy and wet that little work could be done all hands were now busily employed making preparations for a long and dreary winter for this purpose four men were set to work to collect stones for building a house whilst the others were occupied in setting nets hunting deer and gathering fuel our work was much impeded by rainy weather particularly the house building as the clay or mud was washed away as soon as applied we found that our nets were so much cut up by the small marine insect from half to three-quarters of an inch long resembling a shrimp in miniature the favorite food of the salmon that it was quite impossible to keep them in repair i thought to destroy their taste for hemp by steeping the nets in a strong decoction of tobacco but it had no effect on the second september our house was finished its internal dimensions were twenty feet long by fourteen feet broad height in front seven and a half feet sloping to five and a half at the back we formed a very good roof by using the oars and masts of our boats as rafters and covering them with oilcloth and moose skin the latter being fixed to the lower or inside of the rafters whilst the former was placed on the outside to run off the rain the door was made of parchment deerskins stretched over a frame of wood the walls were fully two feet thick with three small openings in which a like number of windows each having two panes of glass were placed our establishment was dignified with the name of fort hope and was situated in sixty six degrees thirty two minutes sixteen seconds north longitude by a number of sets of lunar distances with objects on both sides of the moon eighty six degrees fifty five minutes fifty one seconds west 
the variation of the compass on thirtieth august was sixty two degrees fifty minutes thirty seconds west mean dip of the needle and the mean twice of the hundred vertical vibrations in the line of declination two hundred and twenty six seconds a sort of room was formed at one end by putting up a partition of oilcloth in this besides its serving as my quarters all our pemmican and some of the other stores were stowed away from the fifth to the thirteenth i was up at north pole and christie lakes in the boat with three men our object being to look out for fishing stations and also to purchase dogs from the eskimo the wind being from the north we did not reach the eskimo encampment till the tenth they had shifted their tents from the narrows to a small point about eight miles up christie lake where the deer were more numerous among which they seemed to have made great havoc to judge by the abundance of skins and venison lying in all directions our friends were delighted to see us and had improved much in appearance the only poor animals about them being their dogs which appeared to get no more to eat than was barely sufficient to keep them in life i looked out four of the best being all i wanted at present for which i promised a dagger each intending to take them with us on our return during our stay here a band of deer came to the edge of the lake and after feeding a short time took the water three of the natives slipped noiselessly into their kayaks and lay waiting until the deer were far enough out in the water to intercept them but just as they were on the eve of starting the wind changed a little and the deer smelling their enemy wheeled about and were soon in safety on the beach from which they had started many large flocks of hutchins and snow geese had been seen for the last few days passing to the southward the blue-winged goose of edwards is by some ornithologists considered as the young of the last named bird in one of its stages towards maturity but this opinion i believe to be erroneous for the following reasons during a ten years residence at moose factory on the shores of hudson's bay i had many opportunities every spring and autumn of observing both the snow and blue-winged goose in their passage to and from their breeding places the marshes near moose being favorite feeding ground in the spring both species are very nearly alike in size the blue-winged goose although shorter being rather the heavier bird in the autumn there are four distinct varieties two of which exactly resemble in size and plumage those seen in the spring whilst the others are much smaller and differ much from these and from each other in their markings the young of the snow goose being a light gray color darkest on the head and the upper part of the neck while the young of the blue-winged goose is of a dark slate color approaching to black on the head and neck neither do the young separate from the old as has been asserted for families may be seen feeding by themselves all over the marshes the old bird keeping a sharp lookout and giving timely warning to her brood of any approaching danger in fact the indian who has thoroughly studied the habits of the bird takes advantage of her affection for her young and of their attachment to their parent to make both his prey well knowing that the young are easily decoyed by imitating their call and by mock geese set up in the marsh and that the old bird although more shy will follow them he waits patiently until she comes within range if he shoots her he is pretty sure to kill the greater part of the others as they continue to fly over and around the place for some time after 
during the night of the tenth when near the north end of the lake we experienced one of the severest snowstorms i ever witnessed as we were sleeping on the shore we never thought of putting up any sort of shelter the consequence was that in the morning we were covered with snow to the depth of a foot our boat which had been hauled up on the beach was blown away from her fastenings and carried several hundred yards into the lake among some stones being the only one of the party provided on the spot with mackintosh boots it fell to my lot to wade out to the boat throw overboard the ballast lift her bows over the stones and take a line to the shore which from having miscalculated the depth of the water i found a more disagreeable task than i had expected fortunately the boat sustained no injury it was now about six o'clock in the morning of the eleventh and as the storm continued unabated we made sort of a tent of our sails in doing this the men got so wet and cold from the snow thawing on them that they could not even light their pipes in the afternoon the weather improved and we were able to scrape a little fuel together with which we cooked some salmon and boiled a kettle of tea which made us feel quite comfortable again we thus combined breakfast dinner and supper in one meal the hares had already acquired their winter coat and the golden plovers and sandpipers had all disappeared but some lapland and snow buntings and the shore lark were still to be seen a little after noon on the thirteenth the wind shifted to the southwest and we got under way to return home a couple of hours brought us to the eskimo where we stopped to take on board our dogs a young lad also came with us to carry some medicine for the patriarch of the tribe who was laboring under various complaints peculiar to old age we arrived at north pole river at six p m having had a beautiful run all the way as we were not likely to require the boat on the lakes again this season she was hauled up and placed in security for the winter while at the lake we had not been able to procure much more food than was necessary for our own use but this may in part have been attributable to the bad weather the storm on the tenth had been much felt at our house and so great was its force that the boat left there was lifted a few yards by it but received no injury much heavy ice was driven into the bay and lay heaped up all along the shore our house was still far from comfortable the clay being quite wet and producing a most unpleasant feeling of dampness far more disagreeable than a much lower temperature with dry weather our time was now continually occupied in collecting fuel portions of which as soon as it became dry were built up into small heaps on the rocks near the house in fishing and in shooting deer and partridges the routine of our day's work was as follows in the morning we were up before daylight the men got their orders for the several duties they had to perform which were principally carried on out of doors and at which they set to work immediately after rolling up their bedding and taking breakfast this meal usually consisted of boiled venison the water with which it was cooked being converted into a very excellent soup by the addition of some deer's blood and a handful or two of flour our dinner or rather supper consisted of the same materials as our breakfast and was taken about four or five o'clock after that my time was employed in writing my journal or making calculations whilst the men were busy improving themselves in reading arithmetic etc 
in which i assisted them as much as my time would permit divine service was read every sunday when practicable on the twentieth the pools of water were covered with ice sufficiently strong to be walked upon and on the twenty-eighth some hooks were set under the ice on the lakes for trout during the latter part of the month deer were very numerous as many as seventeen were shot on the twenty-eighth and on the following day ten more were got seven of which were killed by myself within a few miles of the house on the twenty-ninth a considerable portion of the bay was frozen over and the seals were seen popping up their heads every now and then through the ice to keep breathing places open the weather during this month having been very changeable and stormy and unfavorable for observations of all kinds the sextant had frequently been exchanged for the rifle a not unwelcome exchange to one addicted to field sports from his youth upwards our sporting book for the month showed that we had been doing something towards laying in a stock of provisions for winter sixty-three deer five hares one seal one hundred seventy-two partridges and one hundred sixteen salmon and trout had been brought in october during the first part of this month some of the men were employed in building a store of snow for our provisions and covering it with two of the sails on the twelfth and the three following days there was one continued storm which drifted the snow all round the house as high as the roof and on the night of the fifteenth would have choked all our dogs that were chained outside had not adamson and another got up and cut their fastenings on the sixteenth when it cleared up the thermometer first fell to zero the cold had now penetrated indoors and frozen the clay on the walls which made us much more comfortable on attempting to open some books that had been lying on a shelf i was surprised to find that the leaves were all frozen together when i mentioned this and also that our powder horns and every other article that was bound with brass or silver burst their fastenings some idea may be formed of the dampness of our house whilst the clay on the walls was wet on the nineteenth when out shooting having killed one deer i went in pursuit of another a large buck that had been wounded and put four balls through him thinking that the last ball had settled the business for he had fallen i went carelessly up to him without reloading my rifle and when within a few yards i believe i apostrophized the animal much in the following strain ah poor fellow you are done for at last when the deer as if he had understood what i said and thought i was adding insult to injury sprung to his legs in a moment and at a couple of bounds his horns were within a foot of me circumstanced as i was i thought with falstaff that discretion was the better part of valor and beat a hasty retreat laughing heartily all the time at the strange figure we must have made taking the deer by the horns could have been of no use and might have cost me some troublesome bruises and scratches twelve eskimo and a boy visited us on the twenty-third among whom was the man named shimakuk to whom the sledge belonged part of which we had used for fuel when near cape lady pelly with the boat he was now rewarded and apparently so much to his satisfaction that he would have had no objection to having another sled burnt on the same terms they reported that the bay to the west of melville peninsula had been packed full of ice ever since we were over there until a few days before they came away when there was some open water to be seen 
besides purchasing five dozen reindeer tongues a seal-skin full of oil and some other articles we added two good dogs to our team among other information they told me that there was an island in akuli the large bay west of melville peninsula named shatuk which means low or flat on which large trees grew but they acknowledged that none of them had ever been on the island although they had been near enough to see the trees distinctly in this i believe their imaginations had deceived them aided perhaps in some degree by a peculiar state of the atmosphere during which the appearance of the land has been so distorted that it was mistaken for woods some round sticks probably spars belonging to one of the two vessels left in prince regent's inlet having been picked up along the west shore of melville peninsula had no doubt strengthened the opinion they had formed two of their party whom we had never seen were drowned in miles lake by falling through the ice the one in chasing a deer and the other it is supposed in attempting to save his companion our visitors left us on the twenty fifth promising to return soon with some deerskin dresses during the whole of the month we were occupied much the same way as in the previous one deer were numerous during the first part of it but scarce laterly sixty-nine were shot but the produce of our nets had fallen very low eighteen salmon and four trout being all we caught the highest temperature of the month was thirty-eight degrees whilst the lowest was fifteen degrees although there was a great deal of very stormy weather there was some clear calm nights of which i took advantage to obtain lunar distances two observatories had been built of snow with a pillar of ice in each at the suggestion of captain lefroy r a the one for the dip circle the other for a horizontally suspended needle to try the effects of the aurora upon it so much snow had fallen that it lay four feet deep on the roof of our meat store and was near breaking the masts which supported it so that we were obliged to raise its walls about a fathom to prevent such an occurrence in future on the fourth november when out looking for deer a little before daylight in the morning i observed a band of animals coming over a rising ground at a quick pace directly towards me i at first supposed them to be deer but on nearer approach they proved to be wolves seventeen in number they continued to advance at full speed until within forty yards when they formed a sort of half circle to leeward hoping to send a ball through one of them i knelt down and took what i thought a sure aim at a large fellow that was nearest unfortunately it was not yet broad daylight and the rascals all kept end on to me so that the ball merely cut off a line of hair and a piece of skin from his side they apparently did not expect to meet with such a reception for after looking at me a second or two they trotted off no doubt as much disappointed at not making a breakfast of me as i was at missing my aim had they come to close quarters which they sometimes do when pressed hard for food i had a large and strong knife which would have proved a very efficient weapon on my way home i shot three hares on the fifth two partridges were shot which very much resembled the tetrato salicetti but which i supposed to be the t mutus the parasitae found on them differed from those usually found on the willow grouse we began during this month to find that we could not afford fuel to dry our clothes i therefore adopted the plan that a celebrated miser took to warm his food 
by taking them under the blankets with me at night and drying them by the heat of the body this it may be supposed was not very agreeable particularly when the weather became colder for the moisture froze during the day on the blankets which sparkled with hoar-frost when i went to bed in the afternoon of the ninth we had one of the most severe snowstorms that had yet been experienced and i was much alarmed at the non-arrival of four men who had gone in the morning to examine some nets and set others in north pole lake eight miles from the house guns were fired to attract the attention of the party who made their appearance at half past eight p m when we had given up all hopes of seeing them until the following day they had been upwards of eight hours in coming as many miles and were like walking pillars of snow when they came in the four dogs they had with them were still missing having run off with the sled as soon as they smelt the house on the following day they were found entangled with one another and the sled stuck fast against some rocks one or two of the dogs were completely covered up with snow but all safe about two p m on the twenty fifth two eskimo men and a boy named arkshuk aurora borealis took ulak the falling stick and chimikti snuff came to see us with deerskin clothes etc for barter i had a good deal of conversation through the interpreters with arkshuk whom i found rather intelligent and communicative it appears that the favorite food of these eskimo is muskox flesh venison ranks next and bear and walrus are preferred to seal and fish their theory regarding the sun and moon is rather peculiar it is said that many years ago not long after the creation of the world there was a mighty conjurer eskimo of course who gained so much power that at last he raised himself up into the heavens taking with him his sister a beautiful girl and a fire to the latter he added great quantities of fuel which thus formed the sun for some time he and his sister lived in great harmony but at last they disagreed and he in addition to maltreating the lady in many ways at last scorched one side of her face she had suffered patiently all sorts of indignities but the spoiling of her beauty was not to be borne she therefore ran away from him and formed the moon and continues so until this day her brother is still in chase of her but although he sometimes gets near he will never overtake her when it is new moon the burnt side of the face is towards us when the full moon the reverse is the case the stars are supposed to be the spirits of dead eskimo that have fixed themselves in the heavens and falling stars or meteors and the aurora borealis are those spirits moving from one place to another whilst visiting their friends the highest lowest and mean temperature of november were respectively plus twenty eight degrees minus twenty five degrees and plus zero point six eight only twelve deer nine hares and a few partridges had been shot whilst our nets produced about sixty fish the greater part of which were small End of chapter four